the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham filling in for Seth Leibson. Hopefully you are doing fantastic and having a great day. This is so much happening here, and we're just pray and hope that great outcomes are underway. So on Twitter, the AZ... ABC 15 data guru, who's Garrett Archer, who's a man that I've known for some time, who's compiling all the data here, newsflash, and it is, he's come out here, we've had 1,417,024 votes cast by way of early ballots, early voting in Maricopa County, and the Republicans, 524,699 Democrats, 523,106. So here's the deal. A thousand votes. Yeah, great. Right. Everybody's like, oh, that's not a big deal. Guess what it is in a matter of three, three days. Close the gap of over 100,000 votes is a big deal. OK, what this again shows you that, you know, as of now, this is four hours. He updated it a couple hours ago. So it's like it's happening. So he updated it like, you know, he does it throughout the course of the day. So six thousand votes overnight. Great. But if you have five more days and you keep doing this, keep chunking these these totals in here that's looking pretty darn well for our candidates and for the outcome but again we've had crossover there's no question about it that there are republicans that crossed over to the d side but also as i mentioned earlier there are democrats that have crossed over to the r side so whether they cancel each other out who knows who knows where the biggest wave is coming from? All those conservatives or would-be conservatives, I would say that they're not really conservatives. They say, well, he hurt my feeling. He, he, he creates contention. He really isn't the perfect president. If you are really voting by that, I'll tell you, you have the right to do it, but you need to educate yourself and move past the personality and move to the policy and look at where we are as a nation right time. If you don't think this is a wartime president, then you've got a lot to think about because our country internally is under assault. Hey, we've got uh, John from Surprise calling in right now. John, how are you? Robert, I'm fine. I was just going to call and compliment you, but now you've got me going. If you're voting against Trump because of his personality, you are a child and you think like a child. You need to look at policy and you need to look at achievements and promises kept. Um, you're looking at, uh, I voted, my wife and I and son all voted in person in surprise on Monday. So you can count us as three little chunk votes for Trump. Love it. And we voted straight Republican right down the ticket for uh, McSally and Lesko and all, everyone else. Um, we're, we're pro-life people. My wife uh, works for a small Catholic church here in the area. And um, my son's blue-collar manufacturer, and I told him that you can never vote for a better president who's going to look out for you. Than, uh, than Trump, and he agrees, and a lot of the guys in his uh, little factory are all Trump supporters, so um, I'm telling, and then Robert, here's my compliment. Brother, I love it when you uh, uh, you fill in for Seth. You are you have such a wonderful communication style. I'm an old broadcaster from the 80s and 90s. I was an old newsman back when being a newsman meant something, and it you were proud to do it, and people respected you, and uh, 
And I'm telling you, I, I like it. You, you, have an, uh, you have a way of explaining complicated or intricate ideas in a really super, uh, a really super easy, and uh, you have a word efficiency that I just love. You don't take much, doesn't take you much time to explain something, and it just makes it easy to follow on the radio. And I was running errands today, and I heard that you were on, and so I, I had to leave it on because I, I don't always get a chance to listen to Seth in the afternoons anymore. But I just want to tell you, you do a great job. I know I'm not the only one, but if we're going to start a club, I want to be president. I'll be the I'll be the founding president of your uh, of your fan club. Well, I appreciate you saying that. You know, the one thing I appreciate you calling, and then you can hear the energy and passion in your voice too. I mean, this this is what I just wish people would catch on to. And you you didn't bash anybody. You know, you you did say you know these people are being childish. It is childish, right? I mean, we're looking at decisions here, and I've worked for people that I really didn't have a high regard for because of the way they treated certain people in different situations, but their outcome was exceptional. One other story yeah. I'll, I'll tell you. my um, I went in for a knee surgery, and um, the nurse that was the attending nurse for my knee was a good friend of ours, and the physician was somebody that I had never used before but had a great reputation, and he does not have good bedside manner at all, okay? So right. I kind of leaned over to her and said, am I in good hands? And she leaned forward and said, I'm not supposed to answer that question, but I'll tell you, if I had anybody else, if I had to have this surgery, she goes, I would only yeah. pick him because he does not leave the table until the job is done. And that's the way yeah. I feel about President Trump. He does not leave until the job is done. And he's unapologetic. Look, if he calls somebody dumb, he really thinks they're dumb, you know? And that's one of the things, I mean, maybe I wouldn't I wouldn't smash on people the way he does, but the reality is, do you ever have to wonder what the guy's thinking? You don't, because between Twitter nope. and his public presentations, yeah. he's going to tell you where his head is. And, um, and well, to... I Robert, I tell I tell most people I said when I when I, when I mentioned President Trump I go President Trump I said love him or hate him and in most days I feel both ways about him. Yep, that's right. He'll say something that makes me go, oh please Lord, don't don't say that. But yet he's effective. He means what he says and he says what he means and um, he did a great job. I only voted for him for one reason. Uh, I wanted him to replace Scalia. He he put out his list. He was faithful to it. Then along comes Kavanaugh. And what they did to Kavanaugh was unforgivable. Mm -hmm. His last pick, and I knew, I told my wife last time when he picked Kavanaugh, I said he's saving Barrett for when Ginsburg or one of the other female judges goes, because it's going to be hard to replace a female justice with a male in this world. Mm -hmm. And he saved Amy Coney Barrett for, for, the, for the right move. And, um, and no, listen. Just I, we pray every day that he wins this election because I don't like the alternative. Yep, that's right. Well, hey, thanks again, John, for calling in, and thanks a lot for the compliments. And uh, pray for your family, and just keep on grinding and making it happen out there. So, so this is one of these. You know, he talked about Amy Comey Barrett. I got to tell you, she when I watched the hearings, and I don't normally watch the hearings. I mean, talking about classy. Oh my gosh! I mean, not only did she was she measured, she didn't get emotional. She just answered the question. And when some of these guys were badgering her, gals were badgering her on this committee, she just took it. And then when she handed it back to them, they didn't know what to do. They literally, she, she answered with a systematic, process-driven way that proved her expertise and her measured approach to questions. And they just could not come after her again. Just, you know, I mean... It just said they're like they looked at each other. I just saw so many of them. They slam, slam, slam. Did their political things. Then they asked one question out of twenty five minutes, whatever they had, and then 
she would answer and they looked down at the piece of paper. They wouldn't, they would, they, maybe somebody would say thank you for answering, but that was it. And so here we are, she's there, and we have Justice Barrett. I think it is pretty darn cool that we've got this going on. And if you look at the age of these new justices, it's exciting because they're there. And if you look at everything that the president's done across all the judicial reform, okay, so you've got the criminal reform, this judicial reform that's happened with all these different leaders that are constitutionally focused, not politics, but constitutionally focused, and they're not these activist judges, Win or lose next week, he has transformed our country for the next 40, 50 years because now you have people that are going to be weighing in with real principle. The whole court stacking and all this justice stacking and stuff, I get worried about that. But at the real, when you start thinking about it as it relates to packing and, and what it takes to get that to happen, it's a pretty hard, very high hurdle, okay? So President Trump, he's earned my respect. You know, you hear people using the term promises made, promises kept over and over and over again. And it's, and it's real. I mean, that's the thing about it. Is there's, there's no real fiction behind this. You can point to it. He said he was going to do this. He told people before he was elected he was going to go after the Affordable Health Care Act, right? Because it was crushing people. He said that he was going to get rid of the individual mandate, which really was one of the most basic premises in our country here is the ability for you to choose. You want to be insured? Go ahead and pay for it. If you don't want to be insured, you're not going to get penalized. You're not going to get smashed for not doing it. It's your world. It's your universe. Some people are also prioritizing. I can pay $1,500 for health insurance or I can keep a roof over my head and pay for my food. Okay. So, so it is not everybody lives in this rainbow land. It's utopian society that the Dems want to hold hands and sing kumbaya. The reality is pretty soon somebody's going to get tired of holding somebody's hands or somebody's hand sweats too much. It's just, you're just not going to do it right after so long. So what happens is if you put the choice back on people, People will make the choice. Look, if I want to go out in the public and take the risk of being infected with COVID, that's my choice. If I want to go to a movie theater, a restaurant, or something else, a gym, that's my choice. So you get to this situation where you want to be curious, follow the rules, especially the private businesses and such. I'm into that. You know, if they tell me to wear a mask in a private business, I'll do it. Okay? And realize that some of my friends have much more anxiety over coronavirus than I do. And I'm going to respect them for that. But the reality is, the most basic premise, which I love the President of the United States for, is he's returning the power to the people, to you and to me, to make choices. If you don't want freedom, if you want the government to tell you that they're smarter than you are, then Biden's your person, okay? Or Biden's committee, whatever's going to be governing at that particular point. Again, this is Robert Graham. Come back after the break. We're going to tear into the economy, which is starting to boom again, and put people back to work. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham, and you are listening to 960 The Patriot. And yes, this is not Seth. I'm filling in for my good buddy, Seth Leapson, and I'm sure he's probably resting his mind. I mean, right now, with all the stimulus that we have coming at us, I'm not talking about financial stimulus. It's politics. You're getting whacked by the pollsters. You're getting whacked by the media. You can't help but to tape your fingers and put up your dukes and start going after the opposition because they're in our face 
constantly telling us how we're going to be the biggest losers in the world. I mean, again, I get to the point where we will all lose greatly if we lose the presidential election, if we somehow lose the Senate, too. Oh, my gosh. My head explodes. You know, the one thing that's been amazing to me is watching the Democrats unify to have the outcome that they propose to the world, right? So they, they want this uh, universal health care and do what they possibly can to get the health, the Senate, the president, and they, they kind of rally the troops, push it together, put the hammer on people, and they get it done. Republicans, we get the House, the Senate, and we've got the presidency. The president tries to go through this reform. The House passes a, a kind of a junky, garbage-filled, like I think about a bunch of gum. Like you go clean the underneath of tables in an elementary school for all the gum and you kind of wad it together and you have this nasty little ball. It's a ball, but it's a nasty little disgusting ball that nobody wants to put their hands on. That is the bill that came out of the House. Paul Ryan was able to say, look, guys, I passed it. And it's up to you, the Senate. Well, the Senate looked at it and goes, man, I am not even going to pick that thing up. It's disgusting. It doesn't have the tenets that we want. It's not what the president has as a vision. And quite honestly, Republicans don't even think like that nasty little wad of chewing gum right there. That's terrible. They can't even unify, right, to get this mission through. And why was that the case? There were so many power structures in D.C. that the great disruptor, Donald J. Trump, smashed when he got elected in 2016 that nobody wanted to be friends with him because he disrupted their universe. The purists, and when I say purists, I'm not talking about Republican purists or Democrat Party purists. I'm talking about the people that believe in the Constitution and this concept that it's a representative republic and they represent us. Those people are like, okay, amen, finally we have somebody that's thinking about the American people as a whole. Let's get this done, right? He, they didn't feel threatened or disrupted when he came into office. But in this particular case, here he is. You know, try to get these things passed. He says, I promise, I promise, I promise I'll do this. He has both chambers. Look, he's he's positioned perfectly, and it doesn't get done, not because he didn't try, but because there's a process. And what's really challenging is when you're a CEO and an executive in the, in the private sector and you cross into politics and all of a sudden there's rules to how you push your vision forward, that is hard to process. But if you watch, I mean, he got frustrated a lot at the beginning. But he started to pick up momentum, and he continues to pick up momentum. How do you have regulatory reform? How do you do this with taxes and do things? How do, the USMCA, he's able to push things along now because he's getting it. That's agility. That's athleticism. That is a person that's morphing to his environment as a survivor. We have seen that in his professional life. Now you're seeing it happen, and you're seeing him morph into this presidential leader, which he's fantastic. And now can you imagine what we'd have if we have another four years? And he's got the time, and now people take him serious, right? He's not going to have that year and a half where he's got to get the broom out and start whacking people with the handle to get them even out of his office because they were leaking information, doing things, doing everything they could to torpedo his presidency and the vision. Well, now he has a vision, and he's pushing it forward. One of my favorite things to talk about, and you can probably hear him get a little spastic right now. I think I've thumped the microphone like four times with my head now. But I'm getting this point where he starts talking about the economy, right? And he talks about this rebound of the economy. The COVID shutdown, as it was happening, we start talking about essential or critical businesses and stuff. Man, I got to tell you, being with the background of economics that I have, my whole insides turned outside. I mean, I felt horrible. Like I thought, 
this is nothing. The shutdown's nothing. What comes next is the is the scary part, is how the economy tries to recover, how we try to resuscitate all these lost jobs, the shift in the economy. Look at corporate uh, real estate, for heaven's sakes. I mean, how many people actually work in the buildings anymore? Not too many, right? They recycle, cycle people through. They're doing shifting. People are retrofitting their homes. It's it's changing the environment that we're used to as an, a stable economy into something a little different. Doesn't mean it's not equally stable. It's changing, right? So when you hear President or Vice President Biden actually go out there and say, "Oh, I think we should shut the bars back down. I think we should shut down all the gyms again. I think we need to put plexiglass around all the tables and restaurants." I, I mean, again, it's back to, hey, look, if you're afraid of getting COVID, don't go to the restaurant, okay? Don't put me in, in a little, what do they call that, a hamster trail, a bitch trail or what have you that they put you in the tubes. I don't need that. If I go out, I, you don't need to regulate that business. If I make the choice to take the risk and the other people that are there do, amen. But you can't keep the personal trainer from working because they don't have a million dollars in the bank and can't live in their basement. You can't keep the waiter or the server at these different places, the bartenders or those that are nannies and this, that, and the other, away from their environments because they can't earn a living. And if they're not making money, they become dependent upon the state, which may be the big-time strategy here, or they try to find something else. They just can't manufacture themselves into training. I mean, the the famous quote last cycle was Vice President Biden saying – Oh, if you can shovel coal into a furnace, then by gosh, you can learn how to program. Well, guess what? I don't think that's necessarily an accurate statement. For some, it is. For some, it is not. So to just you know do what they're doing, it's it's just no empathy, no perspective, and living in their basement is a perfect example. And this man has done it, and shows that there's no perspective. Now there was a little joust with the. With the economy, right? During the last debate, and President Trump said, look, you know, I think it was like, what, 56% or 64% of the people came back and said their standard of living, their quality of life is better now under this administration than it was over the last. And Biden's like, well, I don't think, I think they need to check their facts. Well, their facts are the way they live. Are they traveling? Are they buying the goods and services? Are they able to keep a roof over the head? Maybe put gas in their car, clothing on their bodies, help their kids, whatever it is, Okay. That's their litmus. They don't have to go back and revisit the facts. The facts are what they're living. Now, here's the other one. So CNBC puts out a report, and just like everybody else in the last couple of days, and their headline is, U.S. GDP booms at 33.1% rate in Q3. Just one quarter, 33.1%. And then I listened to this report, okay? And the reporter is... A gentleman that you would probably recognize his name if I would have kept it up in front of me here. I'll get it. Two seconds here. It is. uh, I don't have it. Anyways, he is a economic reporter that's on CNBC. Seth. I'll get it. Anyways, he comes out and he goes, well, 33 percent. Well, well, it's good, but it wasn't as good as the whisper campaign. And we're just hoping the numbers would be better. It's nothing to shake a stick at. Well, guess what? It was remarkable. The outcome was remarkable. We come from the break, back from the break. I'm going to give you the punchline. So when you hear 33.2% growth GDP third quarter, is that good? I mean, look, you haven't heard it all over the media. You've heard a couple chains talk about it. But what does it really mean to you? And is it significant? If President Trump stands up in front of a crowd and he boasts about it, is, he, is it is it legit? Is it good? 
Well, when we come from the back back from the break, we're going to discuss it. But the other thing we're going to discuss is what does that mean to you and your economic security coming in the, in the future? Are you going to lose your jobs? Are you going to have to transform yourself into something else? Or are you going to be able to do what you want and grow going forward? Again, this is Robert Graham filling in for Seth. We'll be right back and I'll answer those questions. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham, again, filling in for my good buddy, Seth Leapson. Hopefully, you're having a fantastic Thursday, and life is treating you well. And it should treat you well. And, I, and I, you know, quite honestly, if you're a hardworking person and you're doing everything you possibly can to be a contributor and a productive member of this society, life should be treating you well. And it doesn't always, right? So what happens is we look for policy, we look for promises that will help keep the wheel well-oiled, so that we can keep it moving, do the best we can. So when then we are faced with troubles or challenges or maybe some kind of economic downturn or something, we're prepared a little bit better as we get there. Now, going to the break, we were talking about this growth that CNBC writes the headline and says 33, or the uh, 33.1% rate increase in Q3 is a GDP boom. And the guy's name I was searching for, my brain just stopped is Rick Santelli. He's a reporter for CNBC. He's been around since, I think, the early the late 90s. And you've seen him. I guarantee you've seen him report something about economic news. Now, he gets on there, and he says, well, you know, the 33.1% is a great number, but it's not the Whisper campaign. We just wish it would have been, you know, better. Well, 34% is kind of what the Whisper campaign was, okay? They thought it might be as high as uh, 34%. So, hmm, 1% different. But let me tell you, here's the remarkable aspect of it. So I went and I, I kind of did some research and I was thumping around in, in the Internet here trying to see. And I put in and you, you can do this. Go ahead and, and do this. I challenge you to do this. And I went in there and I said, what is the historic, the best GDP growth we've ever had in this country? I want to know what that is and what the outcome looks like as we get there. So I type it and hit it, go look at the different articles and get to the point. And guess what I found? The Center Square has an article headline that reads, U.S. records greatest GDP growth output gain in U.S. history. Something, all right, here it goes. I started rubbing my hands together. I'm going to get it. And then I'm going to show how that number is way smaller than today. Well, guess what? It is today's numbers. It's a 33.1% growth. It is astonishing to say the least. The average numbers, if you go on to Statista, which is a website that has random statistics that they track both in all the U.S. labor, statistics, economics, you name it, worldwide and here domestically, and you start to thump around inside the GDP numbers, it averages annual growth, not quarter, annual growth between 2 and 4%, 2 and 5% at the highest. You know, like you'll get to the point where I think it's in uh, – Second quarter of 2014, I'm looking back until 2011, it was 5.5% growth. Now we're looking at 33.2% growth. Now, here's the big caveat. Last quarter, it was negative 31.4% growth, right? That's just like, and those are the things that you kind of anticipated happening as it related to uh, what was going on with COVID and stuff. You just thought, ah. 
But now you had this 33% bump and you're going, whoa, what is causing this? How are we doing this? Well, guess what? You've got the lights flicking on again, but you have people that are engaging with the economy differently and it's creating a stimulus and a growth, right? So you've had stimulus from the government, okay? You can't you can't hold that candle because the candle will eventually burn all the way down to the wick and it's done, okay? If, if you really have good economic policy, stimulus is only going to be so long. So in the meantime, what you're trying to do is keep like a pulse going. So think about somebody doing CPR. You're just trying to keep the heart going long enough so that they can get the real doctor in place to to satisfy, save, or help that individual. It's the same way with their economy. You want to just keep it pumping enough so that as the consumption starts to get back to normal or shifts to a different normal, then all of a sudden you start to see the growth and it comes back and you're able to maintain the security, the safety, all the things that you care so deeply about because guess what? It's happening and it's legitimate. So this this group, you know, so this is all came out of here. I'll just read this one little quote to you. The increase in third quarter GDP reflected continued efforts to reopen businesses and resume activities that were postponed or restricted due to COVID-19. This is from the Bureau of Economic Analysis, okay? So now, this is the effort to reopen. Now, you just heard Biden in a debate saying he's going to start closing things back up and then make it mandatory to wear masks everywhere in the public, blah, 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 and you go there. Now, look, again, some of you are going, hey, I just would love to wear masks everywhere. Okay, you can sleep in it, you can drive in your car with it, do whatever you want to do with it, try to eat through the mask. It's up to you. But the reality is when you open the economies, people start to effectuate transactions and they start to stimulate goods and services and people start to buy things and they start to have some economic freedom that does what? Helps people find jobs, opportunity, prosperity, safety, better education, better health. You name it. There's a whole line of great opportunities that come from it. If you shut us down again, if we don't have a massive revolution, what we're going to have is a massive recession. We come back from the break. There is more. Why is the DA of Philadelphia threatening the president of the United States? And is he doing it for media or is he doing it because he's trying to protect the integrity of the vote? When we come back, I will crack that nut and you'll hear it. Hey, welcome back, everybody. This is Robert Graham filling in for Seth Leibson. Hopefully you're having a fantastic day today. The news is getting better every time we get there. Hey, so I just saw another report that's been updated about an hour ago, and now I think it's anywhere from between eight and 12,000 more votes in Maricopa County for the Republicans. It looks to me, people, that our people are turning out now, and the fizzle. If you look at a great big sale, I don't know if you have you ever seen that movie... Uh, I think it's Tommy Boy, where they're sitting on the sailboat in the lake at the end of the movie, and and they're in this little tiny sailboat, and you got uh, the big man and his date, and there's no wind blowing in the sail. Well, that's the way I feel like you know, it was just tremendous momentum, uh, momentum coming off for the Democrats, which actually kind of freaked me out a little bit because the angst, the anger, and then you had all the mass media reporting all of the dynamics that were happening here. The get-out-the-vote efforts, every time I turned around, it was like, Vote.com this and register to vote. And by the way, this is paid for by Biden and blah, blah, blah. They just had a remarkable get out the vote effort and stuff. And so, again, we, we still might not pull this off. And you start looking. It's like, man, if you can't fault them for not trying because they did it. But now when you start to see the momentum and if you graph it, 
It's looking like the Republicans are picking up steam and they are just not having the endurance to make it happen. Now, what that will suggest to you is this American energy, this tenacity. You know, after 9-11, you saw this unification of our country that was just unbelievable. And we lean into fights and we typically get there. Sometimes our nation compared to others doesn't have the endurance, but internally, those with the most pure virtuous, driven message normally have the greatest endurance because you can't build anything off of falsities, off of mistruths. Eventually, that house of cards crumbles. But the reality is, is our people have to be willing to engage in the truth and they have to be able to pick the truth up and run with it when that is needed to happen. Okay, because if we give up, if we want to sideline ourselves, the opposition just keeps coming. They just keep coming. They seem to be able to hand the baton to the next one, to the next one, to the next one, and they just keep coming. Eventually, if you win enough times, people don't want to put money against you, right? It's just the probability just doesn't work, and they're likely going to lose their money. But you have to win, win, win in order to make that happen. So engaging today and then engaging in the next election and the next election and the next elections, we do that for the things we care deeply about. I would fight like that for my family, and I will fight like that for you, and I will fight like that for our country. And so that's ultimately what it comes down to. Now, you get into this whole notion of voter suppression. So left calls you racist first. Then they call you a xenophobe or xenophobe, and then they go after every single minority group in the world and say you hate them, and then they're going to start calling you stupid. Seriously, I mean, this is the process right now. They're they're back to challenging the president's cognitive ability, saying that he is a sociopath, narcissist, blah, 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 and then they get to some other point. Now what they're doing is they say voter suppression. Every time we get here, anything that we would suggest by way of transparency, they call it voter suppression. So you've got this DA in Pennsylvania. And when I read things like this, I am not just turned off, but I just want to scream how dare you. Okay, look, the whole idea, like when when you're a state chairman, a county chairman, one of the one of the responsibilities you have is to get poll watchers in there. You've got the left, the right. They've got their libertarians. You've got Green Party. You've got other parties. You've got people that want to come there and observe the integrity of the vote. And they're generally trained to be registered poll watchers. And they come in and they work to do what they can to make sure the integrity of the vote. Well, this is a high stake election. And generally speaking, like we what we would do here in the state of Arizona is we would actually work with the Republican Attorneys Association and they would have 10, 1500 different attorneys that would kind of position themselves on call or around the state. So if there was a challenge that was happening at one of these polling stations, they would come in to have a discussion, right, to kind of get the facts and to make sure that people were behaving themselves well. We're following the rules. They're following the rules. And you would expect both sides to do that. So President Trump basically says, look, in these high stake states, these swing states like Pennsylvania, which we defined as one of the most critical states that we have to win, we have to win Pennsylvania. Okay, and. They say we we want to have more people observing this. So he puts out this request to see if he can get more of his people in there to watch. And here's the response from the DA of Philadelphia. And this is the headline news in Daily Mail. It says Philadelphia's DA warns law, lawless, power hungry despot Trump not to send uncertified poll watching goon squad 
or the Proud Boys to his city. Now look, first and foremost, a lot of these things where he tries to target people talking about goon squad and things like that, give me a break. Have you seen his teams? Have you seen the people that are working around the president of the United States? You're not going to call them goons. Typically call them really smart. And you would say that they're people that are very equipped to get their things done. These attaching him to these different definitions of groups or the groups that are out there that are working on behalf of their mission and they support Trump is bull, right? So they go out there and they say this. Now, look, here's the headlines. It says, Larry Krasner threatened president not to send goon squads to polling places. Comes after Trump. This comes after Trump's legal bid to have staff monitor vote counting offices. What a concept, okay? Let's make sure this is fair. Krasner also lashed out at Trump's comments after night of violent looting in the city. Now, Trump, you know how he feels about this. If these Democrat leaders in these cities and are not going to support the police officers and they're not going to do anything to hold these people accountable for their looting and their bad behavior, why would they ever change their behavior? I mean, that's, that's his whole point, right? Police, for heaven's sakes, enforce the law, for heaven's sakes. Hold these people accountable. Don't allow them to have any more excuses to do what they're doing. And so this DA comes out and he says, oh, look, the, the president is pouring gasoline. I'm putting quotes up uh, on racial tensions to boost his vote. Okay, well, let's go back around here. Now, this guy that got shot, remember, he came at the police officers with a knife. I've learned and I've watched different reports where police officers are trained when somebody comes into within 20 feet from you with a with a knife. They are in a space where they can kill you, okay, if they come at you properly or if you're not good in your responsiveness. And so they're trained. If you watch that video, the police officers were backing up, backing up, backing up. They were, they were saying, hey, stop, 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 and he kept coming. They crossed within the 20-foot thing, and they took action that they were trained in doing. Almost any police officer that you would question would tell you this. People say, why don't you shoot him in the shoulder? Well, why don't you shoot him in the knee? Well, is he on crystal meth? Do you know if he's taking bath salts? Can he get up and come after you? Is he superhuman? Who knows what's going on inside that person's head or their capacity? So the police officers were trained in the most appropriate way to defend themselves and keep the public safe. And that's what happened. Now, now again, this guy's not like an altar boy, right? He's coming after the police officers with a knife, for heaven's sakes. So when we come back from the break, I'm going to finish off with this DA and some of his warnings, but this is terrifying where they're going to try to block. Now, they're calling it voter suppression. That is why Trump wants to send these people. What The counters are going to somehow to suppress a vote. Well, I'm going to suggest to you something very, very different as it relates to voter suppression. Suppression. It's not coming from the president. It's not coming from the right. You might look at Antifa, BLM, all these different riots that are happening, and you've got to ask yourself, Who's more likely not to vote? Somebody that has a counter over them or somebody that's going to get a brick in the forehead, okay? So we'll come back after the break. This is Robert Graham, and we'll be back in just a few minutes. It's one of my favorite songs, actually, by the good old King Elvis Presley. You know, I think about it, that there was, I don't know how many years or months it was before he died, but um, that one, the emotion in the song, and that was a live concert that you were just playing, and it is uh, awesome. So if anybody can look that up, uh, that is um, a great, 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 great song. Anyway, that being said, we were just going into this. We're talking about this DA and, and this uh, threats of the 
you know, if these Trump goons come here and they try to monitor the election and the accounts and stuff like that, then he, he's going to get them. I mean, he threatens multiple times in this in this article and stuff. And he, it's just amazing to me to think about it. Here, here's one of his comments. This guy, Larry Krasner, again, if you want to write a letter to a D.A. in Pennsylvania, I think this is one to do it. He says here, the pre- Larry Krasner threatened the president that if he sent an uncertified poll watcher to the birthplace of American democracy, I've got something for you. What does that mean? I mean, come on. You know, what are we saying? Okay, the president wants to go there to make sure that everything's treated equally, and I'm going to threaten you with something. You got another thing coming? I mean, and and how is this ballot, how is this voting suppression that you want to do this? It's not like these people will stand in front of polls and threaten people when they walk through the door. That's not it. He poll monitoring or what have you. These people stand off to the side. There's a lot of rules around this as you get there. Now, Voter suppression, this is one of the things that the Dems always turn to the last couple weeks, right? The last week, voter suppression, look, they're doing this, they're changing the busing system, look what they're doing the poll stations. They make it sound like we've got control of virtually everything. So is it that or all the threats? Because how many threats have you heard in the media that says, hey, if the president contests anything, then there's going to be riots in the street, and there's going to be this and protests, and all these things are going to happen. There's this uh, group... Uh, uh, Reuters put out this article says Americans plan widespread protests if Trump interferes with the election. Okay, so now there's their warning, right? And then the other warning is is that if he wins outright, there's going to be tons of riots and there's going to be all these terrible things that are happening within the country. So, oh my gosh, are you the person sitting at home that likes to listen to the radio, likes to read, does not like conflict? doesn't want to get their nose in anything are you is this freaking you out are you staying home where's the real voter suppression well i gotta tell you if you were to say hey bill i'll tell you what i'm gonna have somebody there and they're gonna be poll watching and they may actually look at the number of votes not not how they're and who's voting for but how they're being handled or you could have somebody there that's planning to riot to hurt to do things What's going to keep you home every day? So this is it. It is the counter, and it's always the counter. The left has a problem. They point at us and call us a name, and really, it's them. They're just projecting what they do to try to interfere with these elections, and it's despicable and disgusting, and we have to rise up. This is We're rising up now, and we're putting pressure against these media people, and we're starting to find workarounds, and we're going to do it. We're got it. We've got to win. And if you if you haven't voted, my gosh, I'd get out and vote. If you're a same day voter, God bless you. Make sure you get there and make it happen. This Robert Graham will be right back when the at the new hour. Again, lots of discuss and new numbers coming out every minute.